Imagine just trying to fit in, be a part of the group, and taking drugs at age eight. The All Eyes on Me podcast is the true story of Vincent Lilly, his struggle with drugs, addiction, recovery, and onward to hope and health. Be ready to experience another world. Here's author Kevin Zadrill and Vincent Lilly. Hello, welcome back. I'm host Kevin Zadrill, and uh, with me today is uh, Vincent Lilly. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Going great. We're back today to talk about uh, your book, All Eyes on Me, and it is a true story of addiction, recovery, and hope. Very fascinating story, and we've been uh, peeling back the layers of it over the last uh, several weeks and moving forward. Um, but today, I think, is a good uh, approach. We're going to talk about turning points, turning points in our lives that often we may not recognize are there, but they all have significant uh, points in our lives, whether it's positive or negative. And for you in your story, um, there's multiple times. And um, for one of them that kind of captured my attention was the time uh, during your sentence at uh, Stony Mountain and you had the opportunity through the counselor to reach out to your father and have a conversation with him. And for you, um, as you mentioned in the book, my connection with my father that day in the counselor's office made an immediate difference in my own life to take responsibility and stop making excuses for my actions and decisions. Um, when I finally came to the realization that I was blaming my actions on my father's actions. So a turning point, discuss that in your life. Well, I think, uh, I think with that specific one, um, well, just kind of to do with the same type of thing that we're talking about is I think a lot of us, we, we do the same thing in life. Like, we go through life blaming people for the things that go wrong in our lives. And it's a lot, a lot easier to place blame on other people for things that are our, that actually are our own actions causing it. Um, and in that situation, um, I had already been struggling and going through the whole addiction and jail and uh, suicidal thought thing for years already. And, uh, I came to the realization of what it is that was happening, what I was doing and how I was just basically using the anger that I had for my father and for what he had done to my family through the sexual abuse. I was using that anger to fuel all the things that I was doing and the crimes and the drugs and the everything. I was just using that anger to fuel and give me an excuse to do what it was that I was doing and say that's why why we're so messed up and that's why I'm so messed up is because of the sexual abuse. But the truth of the matter is I was just using that as an excuse. And until I actually got on the phone with him, um, and I, I, I don't think that I would have to have him on the phone in order to make the big change, but it makes a big difference having him actually on the phone to, to tell him um, personally that I forgave him for what it was that he did. And uh, in turn, that basically just was just releasing all that anger and, and ultimately taking responsibility and holding myself accountable and realizing that, that I was the only cause of what, what got me to where I was that day in my life. In the book, you mentioned that this wasn't even a, a planned thought you had to ever do to reach out and talk to your father. It was something that the counselor brought up to you. And again, it was one of those hidden turning points. 
Yeah, I think in my head, I, I didn't think it was ever would ever be possible. So I think maybe I might have thought about it, but not just maybe gave gave a short thought to it. But that was about it. But obviously, with the counselor, she she has access to do things outside the institution, right? And I didn't, so she knew it was a little bit more possible for that to happen. So when she started to ask me about whether I would ever thought about trying to do it. <laughs> Um, she knew it was a little more possible than I thought. And I think she may have recognized what the influence might have had that you were holding into internally these thoughts and feelings. Um, and it did prove effective for yourself. Yeah, and I think it was kind of ironic too, because uh, holding on to all that anger for my father because he sexually abused my, did sexual abuse in my family. Um, it made it worse because where I was, I was in prison. So I was, I was, I was seeing and uh, having to deal with sex offenders every day, usually. You know what I mean? So I would just uh, project all my anger and everything onto them. Obviously, yeah, a normal person is going to be angry at someone like that anyway. But uh, I was projecting all my everything I had on them. Uh, because of what had happened in my family, mm-hmm. a lot of the times we all do, do we all do that too when it comes to stuff, you know, like especially to do with this stuff to do with the police and you know the stuff that they do sometimes. Uh, a lot of the times, what people do is they project their own um, incidents that they have had with the police onto other situations. Yeah, it's it's very true and. Um, you mentioned uh, in the book as well that uh, you had a big turning point where you decided that suicide was the only option. And you went out one night to make a robbery to get medications and you came home. Uh, you had a bag full of pills that you were going to overdose on. You spilled them onto your, uh, onto your bed and they were all empty and you said what ran through my mind disbelief relief i couldn't get a grip on exactly how i felt at that moment and then take us from there i think the funniest well i don't i don't want to say funniest but for me right now it makes me think the funniest feeling that i had in that situation was the anger I was angry that there was no pills there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to, uh, my plan obviously to, to, to get high and then I was just going to, you know, uh, inject a bunch of pills and just overdose. Um, but like, you'd think that the sense of relief would have been more there than I just goes to show how far I was into my whole, the choice that I had made and, what I had planned to do after that. Um, obviously, I knew that robbing a pharmacy with a gun was probably going to end in a very long prison sentence if I, if I did end up getting caught, which I did end up turning myself in for it. But, um, yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely gave me the, the time. And that, I think I realized that, too, because once I... I uh, 
I, I was always the type of person that like if I did a crime and I thought maybe they're going to catch me, I would just turn myself in. So a lot of guys, they would just run from it, right? And basically you're just avoiding the inevitable. And so I ended up turning myself in. And uh, I think, I think uh, subconsciously I knew that if I did that, it was going to give me the time that I needed to process everything. Because when you're in, when you're in the addiction and you're using drinking or, or using drugs, your thinking, your thought process is not, it's not normal. So it's harder for you to think logically. Yeah, that, that definitely was a turning point um, in terms of where it kind of took you into your next phase of your life, um, which down the road again led to a sentencing judge that you were prepared to have a very long sentence imposed on you for your actions. And, and uh, when you got there and the judge reviewed all the details, um, you received no jail time. And in the book, it says that you wanted to make change in your life and for your family. And this was something that provided you that opportunity, a major turning point. Yeah, I think uh, this is one of the situations that just makes me believe that everything happens for a reason. Uh, because in this situation, I never really usually got very much leniency when it came to the justice system. And I obviously it was my own my own doing but um in this situation it almost seemed like the woman judge she, she literally seen it for what it was um and the fact that she said to she said in the court why, why is this person who goes from going in and out of jail in and out of jail so many times every year to staying out of trouble for three years uh, and she's seen obviously my my ex-wife and my mother and other people came to court and read letters for to support me um and i had been doing things in the community also like volunteering and all that um so she's seen that uh there was some sort of change that was happening and there had to be a reason why so my daughter had just been born four months i think she was four months old, I think, or well, when I was in jail, she was actually six months by that time. So, uh, yeah, and it was my first child. So, yeah, she definitely was one of those judges that was paid that paid good attention to the cases that she has. I think she didn't have to, and she could have imposed a fairly significant prison time for you. Yeah, they were asking seven years. And that, that would have changed the course of your life uh, if she hadn't taking the time to really sit back and, and review and, and look you in the eye and get a sincerity that she believed. Yeah. The best thing about that is that I hope that she, I hope that she's, that she's somehow seen some of the things that I'm doing now because she's she contributed to making that possible. And these judges that make those decisions that are good ones, they deserve to know what the outcome is of that because then it can just strengthen doing the right thing because I know that when it comes to being a judge it can be a bit probably monotonous when it comes to like the decision making because you get these people that just keep coming in front of you over and over again they just get stuck in you know that decision that they make and it's always a no so 
it's good to have these cases that come in front of the front of them and they, they just kind of like shake their head and realize that people can change. I think it's really important message that you've, you've always tried to promote that give someone the benefit of a doubt, give them a chance, uh, give them an opportunity because if you don't have the opportunity, there's no opportunity then to make change. Well, that's one of the things that, that uh, people who are stuck in addiction and, and in the justice system, they're ho- they often they're hopeless, you know? So literally what they're, literally what a lot of them are looking for is just looking for someone to give them a chance because they haven't gotten a, ever gotten a chance. And these people wouldn't even believe the, this kind of effects that will have on a type of person like that when they do actually get a chance. It doesn't even have to be anything huge, like giving someone a job or something like that it would be something that would change people's lives and change their, give them, because we all need hope in this world and you know when people are feeling hopeless it's really easy to stay stuck in that thought process and and truly it's as as simple as a job or housing or a connection with someone as a support now it may seem like that seems pretty obvious but it's not well it's um a lot of people struggle with uh self-esteem and self-worth right feeling uh like they're enough you know like and so they just don't feel like they're worth it and so there's as soon as someone if someone gives them a chance and just that little little glimmer of hope and let give them that boost in their their self-esteem or their self-worth can change a person pretty quickly And, and even despite the opportunities and the opportunity to change, there's still setbacks and <clears throat> there's no limit to the setbacks. And even within your own life, setbacks still continue despite the opportunity that you were given an empty bag of pill bottles and couldn't suicide that night. And the fact that, you know, the sentencing judge uh, didn't give you jail time it, it still was an opportunity, but there was still a setback. And, and you mentioned in the book that uh, while you're with your probation officer that you had got back to using again and you decided you had to be honest, take responsibility, be accountable for your actions. So you braced yourself for the potential consequences of your confession to your PO and how it would have an effect on your future, but you faced it. That's one of the things that it helps a lot of us is uh, just learning to just face things, you know what I mean? Instead of running from it, when you, basically our our bodies are all designed to not want to deal with things that are uncomfortable or painful. They're designed to steer us away from that kind of stuff to the, from the discomfort or the pain. And so basically what you got to do is you got to just face it. When these things happen, things are uncomfortable and you just don't want to do something. Like we all go through it. When something comes up in the day where you're like, oh, I don't do this and I don't want to do it. So you don't do it. It just strengthens that whole behavior. And so the more that you face it and the more that you just push through it, the easier it gets. And 
and it's as simple as simple it's as simple as like some small things like just to start to train yourself you know what I mean with like let's just say your mailbox is outside and you got to go outside to go get your mail and you don't want to do it so you don't do it ever simple it's as simple as that is the small things like that is you just keep pushing yourself when you don't want to do something it just gets easier and easier and uh same with procrastination you know it's good to do uh p- prepare things so that they're prepared for your for yourself during the day um often we just like to just put things off and then when it comes time to actually do them we're we're angry but meanwhile we're the only ones that are the ones that cause that so it's very true. And I know um, feedback from readers on the book. Um, it's, it's sort of a yin yang where they, they see you doing destructive nature things and then you have the opportunity uh, and you run with it and then you kind of falter, but that's life. Right. And I think that's a message that you're trying to promote that you're going to fall. You're going to fall multiple times, but keep getting up. Oh yeah. Like, well, society and parents have taught us to be perfect a lot of the times while society and a lot of people's parents teach them to try and be perfect you know to strive for perfection which is unrealistic you need to teach your kids and you need to teach society that it's okay to fail that you want to fail because fail failures is going to get you one more step closer to success and how are you supposed to appreciate life if you don't fail, if you're just going to go through life and everything's so perfectly done and you just like, you're going to have no appreciation for the things that you have or for the things that you've gained. So like you want to fall down seven times and get up eight, right? You don't want to beat yourself up for falling down because uh, like I said, it's going to just get you one step closer to a success. And um, same with the whole thing with like, uh, what we're talking about there, how we all have those turning points in our lives, right? Like obviously there's some ones, well, we all have big, we all have different sizes of turning points in our lives. For me, I just obviously minor, the ones that are bigger stick out more because because of the book. But um, we all have turning points in our lives. And a lot of the times what happens is some of the turning points we have in our lives are, are very small. And they're so small that we don't see them. And so what happens is you keep making the same mistake over and over again. And uh, you just keep making the same mistake over and over again. And God, they say that God will keep making you make the same mistake until you get right. And until you just realize that, that it makes things a little bit easier. I think it's an important message for people in addictions or in relationships to be aware of the smaller signs of those turning points because they're there. And the sooner you can recognize it and grasp onto it, the the, the opportunity there is to make that change. Well, yeah, that's just it. You got to, you have to simple as it's as simple as uh, acknowledging it, right? Like as soon as you catch it, you have to catch it, right? A lot of people, if they don't catch it, then it's just like, just people are busy sometimes and they don't see things that have happened in that day in their day or, whatever it is, and it just goes by without a thought. One of the interesting things as we were chatting over the course of months uh, with your getting to know your life is, you know, the times that you were in prison and, and it's a very confined, structured day 
with very little uh, stimulus and being on the outside, you were overwhelmed by the activities all around you, the, the sensory imagery around you. And that's part of how we miss things because we're overwhelmed with what's going on around us. Oh yeah, we're, life is like literally life today for every single one of us is, is one big distraction from being the people that we truly are. You know what I mean? Like the reason why I say that we're all born good people is because we all are born good people. A lot of us make, we all make mistakes. Um, but uh, like even the ones, people who make big, huge mistakes that stand out more than others, those mistakes that are made, uh, they're not truly our, they're not our true selves. And uh, the more and more as we go through time, the more baggage and the more traumas and the more crap we pick up along the way. And, and the more that we pick up that stuff, it's just a distraction from who, uh, from our true selves. And I'm, I'm starting like through my, my sobriety and through the life that I'm living now, I'm actually starting to get closer and closer to being more myself. And that's why one of the biggest things I say to people is just be yourself because the, we all go through life wearing masks and it's a very ironic time right now to be saying that, but we all go through life wearing masks and uh, more and more that you drop those masks, the, the more you can be yourself. And that's what we want. What I would want in society is for people to be able to just be themselves, not be pretend pretenders or to be fakers because there's too many of that. There's too many of those people in this world. So really your takeaway is to keep, keep our lives simple, keep it basic as much as we can and appreciate the small things that come across our, our lives. For sure. The small things are very important. Yeah. We're always looking for the big one, but really the, the small ones, those ones, I think give us the most uh, satisfaction. We can grasp onto it and appreciate it. For sure. And before we end off, uh, Vincent, anything you'd like to leave our listeners uh, as, a, as a message for today? Um, I think try and just be yourself more and more every day, you know. And um, I think uh, one of the things that, to all well, there's two things that get in the way of being ourselves, which is pride and ego. And uh, for men, a lot of the times the ego part is really hard to 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 deal with, you know, because society and um, what we've been taught um, is how we behave. But in actuality, it's all learned behavior with the egos and all that kind of stuff. So, with, and with our pride. Um, and so it can be unlearned. So more people, I would encourage them to look into that and finding out good ways to to deal with your ego and your pride, because the more that you learn to drop those, closer you get to yourself and I'd say that's just all I have to say about that one powerful really appreciate it always a pleasure being with you and discussing your book All Eyes on Me a true story of addiction recovery and hope and I think that that inspires a lot of our listeners and I look forward to reconnecting with you next week to further our conversations thank you yes thank you very much